Well, hello, family. God's grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grab your Bibles, open them up. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. And uh, Jesus has some questions that he wants you and I to answer. In this passage, Jesus is teaching a really large crowd. Uh, it's possibly the largest crowd that he's ever been uh, before at this time. He's been preaching for uh, most likely hours and hours and hours. And he is using parable after parable after parable to, as he teaches this crowd. And Mark is like just yanked one of those parables out and he's recorded it for us. He teaches a crowd. After he's done teaching, most of the crowd walks away because he's done. Most of the crowd walks away. But there are a very few that stay behind with the disciples to try to understand more of what Jesus has been talking about. And you know what? Jesus, as it turns out, reveals more of who he is and more of what it means to respond to him and to live in the kingdom of God because of this. And this is interesting. This is Jesus' teaching style throughout all the Gospels. He doesn't say everything to everybody. So this is very interesting. Please, please, please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so, so that he got into a boat and sat, it, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it has, as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it, be, it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand the par all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them, and these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. Those are the, those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and other desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown 
on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you're the King. We thank you for your word. We thank you for every time you speak to us. Your word has great power. Um, Lord, I pray, even as you said in this verse multiple times, that you would do us a great mercy and that you would give us ears to hear that every person in this room would listen to your voice today. I pray that you would soften hearts, open ears, and that we would receive everything you have to say to us with joy and gladness. You love us. You want good for us. Please do your work now. And help me speak in a way that would make you smile and would make you proud. I love you. Amen. So over, over the last decade, uh, airline companies have pursued uh, creative ways to keep the attention of their passengers during the routine safety demonstrations. I don't know if you guys have, have noticed this or not, but they've some of them created uh, very interesting creative uh, music videos with uh, Richard Simmons. Some have had Marvel superhero lookalikes. They've even recruited Betty White to, to uh, do these videos and demonstrations at her retirement community. But I think the prize for the most unique goes to uh, Air New Zealand. Uh, they made a series of story videos using Middle Earth as its setting with orcs and oxygen masks and elves as flight attendants and middling storing baggage properly in the overhead compartments of their uh, planes. These airlines have noticed something. They've noticed that while they stand before us, while their flight attendants stand before us, dispensing critical information that could save our lives in the event of an emergency, we are ignoring them. Right? We're ignoring all that. Uh, they're standing before us, and while they are teaching us, we're engrossed in conversations. Uh, we, we are sleeping. We are looking at our phones, playing Scrabble. Uh, we're looking out of the window. We, we hear them, but we don't hear them. Right? We hear them, but we don't hear them. And that is how we are tempted to hear the words of Jesus Christ. With utter casualness. casualness. And Jesus is just a teacher, and he's just giving a lecture, like an airline attendant. Uh, somebody should probably listen to him, uh, but I've heard most of that before. Uh, I can take in his words, or I can ignore his words, and I'll, just, I'll be just fine regardless. When the time comes, I'll just kind of know what to do. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. But you know what, brothers and sisters? Jesus will not let you and I hear him like that. He won't allow that. He's not merely laying out theories on life and flourishing that we're free to, free to take or leave as we see fit or just kind of pick and choose what parts we like. He is a unique teacher. He is a teacher that actually demands 
our hearing. In fact, one thing that makes Jesus unique, the teacher of all teachers, is, is, is through his parables. Through his parables, he forces us to respond to him. Did you know that? And that's not like a typical teacher in a classroom. They just kind of lay out stuff, and if you're ready for the exam, fine. If you want to take it or leave it, and you can just kind of... That's not how Jesus teaches. And I want to really bring out the way he teaches people. In fact, that's where I want to start. Everybody who hears the words of Jesus responds to him. Everybody. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, Everybody that hears the words of Jesus responds to Jesus. Let's look right here in the text, verse 10 through 13. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, so he's making a distinction between insider and outsider. But for those that are outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? This is, if you guys were here last week, this is another Mark and Sandwich. Did you notice that when we read it? We got another Mark and Sandwich right here. So these middle verses that, have, that we've highlighted, verses 10 through 13, that's the middle. That's the meat and veggie part of the, of the sandwich. And what does that mean? That's the key to understanding the slices of bread. That's the key to interpreting and understanding this whole parable, this whole scenario that's going on here. Remember, the mo most of the crowd has heard the words of Jesus, they've heard his teachings, and they've dispersed. And Jesus, as he's brought out in verse 10, he's talking to the very few that came closer to him to understand more about what he is teaching. And Jesus gives them the key to understanding all of his parables. This is an important parable. He says it. This is the key to understanding everything I ever teach. Because Jesus only uses parables when he teaches. Did you know that? Sometimes they're miracle parables. Sometimes they're story parables. Sometimes they're proverbial parables. But he only uses parables. Look, a little later in verse 34, Mark tells us that he did not speak to them without a parable. But privately... To his own disciples, he explained everything. Isn't that interesting? So parables is kind of like a stand-in. It's not just a genre, but it's also a stand-in for everything Jesus ever taught. Jesus uses parables, get this, Jesus uses parables to put his listeners, you and I right now, to put his listeners into a crisis point. He's not just dispensing knowledge, wisdom, facts, theories, like a teacher, like a philosopher. That's not the way that Jesus teaches. He calls for response from everybody that hears his words. If you're within earshot and you've heard, you will respond to the words of Jesus. And here's why. Here's why. 
He says that in these verses, that these parables reveal the true hearts of his listeners. That's the power of these parables. They reveal the true heart of the people that are in the audience listening to him. And how does that happen? Because they force parables, they force listeners to respond to him on the spot, whether they know it or not. It's on the spot they're responding. And here's why. In a parable, get this, this is what 10 through 13 is explaining. There, in a parable, there is sufficient amount of truth and clarity given about Jesus for everyone to understand what he's talking about. There's sufficient amount of truth and clarity for everyone that listens to know who, what Jesus is talking about and who he is. And yet, at the same time, there is something about him that is also hidden from understanding from our understanding, there is something that requires further revelation from Jesus himself. And so the crisis that is put to every listener is that they, get this, they must respond to the amount of clarity that they have been given. Let me say that again. The crisis is this. Every listener must respond to the amount of clarity that they have been given. It's not about what you don't understand. It's about what you do understand. What are you going to do with what you do understand? However little that is. Does that make sense? I feel like I got everybody's attention today. That's good. So you can understand and you can see why Jesus was especially frustrating to the religious people. Are you tracking with this? Can you see why this would be really frustrating to them? They consider themselves believers in God, accepting of who God is, understanding God's word because they're reading God's word. So why do I need further revelation? I know what all that means. But he's going to put them in a crisis point too. He teaches in a way that reveals what kind of heart you actually have toward God. You will either be intrigued and you will move a step or two closer to Jesus because you want to hear more and you want to know him more fully than you did before, or you will resist his word, but your heart will respond right on the spot. Jesus says this is what is happening in real time in all of his teachings to all of his hearers. That's what he's saying in verses 10 through 13. Some hear about a farmer throwing seeds everywhere and they want to know, why did he say that? And what does that mean for their life? And so they come closer and what do they get? More understanding, more revelation. Right? They come inside the parable where Jesus is. And guess what? They get more insight to Jesus. But those are on the outside, to use the word of Jesus, those on the outside do understand the meaning of the words that he's using. They know what a farmer is. They know what seed is. He's not speaking in some foreign language. They know what that is. Right? They do understand what he's talking about. They do see. They do hear. He says they indeed, right? The meaning is clear enough. 
but they don't care about the significance of his words for their life. They know the meaning of the words, but they don't care about the significance. Meaning and significance are not the same thing. And so the last thing that people like this want is to be forgiven. They know he's talking about being a king and a messiah and a forgiver. And they don't want that. That's offensive. The grace of forgiveness is, is either offensive to them because they know what he's saying and they know, they know he's talking to them or it's just irrelevant for their life. Why would I want to listen to any more of this irrelevant gobbledygook? Right? And so they won't repent. They won't move towards him. And because parables force listeners to respond, Jesus is bringing to the surface this condition of their heart so that it can be manifest. It can be known and seen. Friends, the more that we are exposed to the preaching of God's Word and the reading of God's Word, the more we are responding in one way or the other. If you have ears to hear, then hear this. Please hear this. Please do not fool yourself into thinking that you can passively hear preaching of the Word of God in nine podcast sermons a week. And that it's not doing something to you. Don't think that you can passively hear the preaching of God's Word over and over and over and over and it's, it's just not doing something to your heart. It is doing something to you and to your heart. It is not like listening to a speech from a politician. It is not like listening to a lecture from a favorite professor or TED Talk. It is not like reading the words of Socrates or Shakespeare. It's not even in the same category. The Word of God in Jesus is actively revealing your true heart condition towards God in that moment, in real time. What does Hebrews say? The Word of God is active and living, sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing spirit and soul, right? Bone and marrow, if that's possible. That's how finally it divides. It is revealing the true condition of your heart to God in real time. Get this. Every time. Little bit, little bit, little by little. We do not have the option of listening to Jesus like we listen and hear every other teacher, friends. He has not offered you that option. So let's look at some ways to not hear Jesus. There's actually a variety of ways to do this one thing. There's a variety of ways to not, of not actually hearing Jesus, of hearing Him but not actually hearing Him. Just like the flight attendant scenario, there's a variety of ways we hear Jesus and we don't actually hear Him. These three responses happen in every crowd, by the way, small or large, where the Word of God is preached including the one that gathers in this room every Sunday. So let's look at these responses. The first heart response is, is the hard heart. The hard heart is how we can respond. 
Let's go to the text, verse 15. Now he's going to explain it, right? Jesus says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, when they hear, so they do hear, right? So when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This heart is like a path that people have walked on over and over. Constant foot traffic has just packed down the soil. It's packed down the soil hard like asphalt. It's so hard that nothing can grow on it, not even the words of Jesus. The soil of this person's heart is so resistant, so resistant that his words just sit on top for a little while. Just sit on the surface until Satan comes and takes it away. And so we blatantly resist listening to the word of God by arguing with Jesus. Jesus is a teacher. Well, teachers should be debated, right? So we're going to argue with Jesus, and that's one way that we resist him with a hard heart. We're going to argue with, with Jesus or with his messengers, whoever's preaching his word. Don't like it. Don't like it. Well, listen. Touching my sacred cows. Don't like it. Well, listen. Going to argue. So we dodge his words. We dodge the words of Jesus with whataboutism. You know what whataboutism is? It's real popular right now, isn't it? What about them? Jesus says, I'm talking about you. Yeah, but what about those people? What about that movement? What about that group? Jesus said, I can't talk about you. And we say, well, what about them? See, that's a sign of a hard heart, not a great debater. What about ism? We have no real intention of considering the significance of what he's saying. Remember, meaning and significance aren't the same thing. They're related, but they're not the same. What does it mean? And what does it mean for me? Are two different questions. But some of us, we're craftier, right? We're grown-ups. We're pretty smart. We dress up this resistance a little bit by telling ourselves that, well, we'll take some notes and we'll respond to him later. Right? What a lie from the devil. No, we won't. No, we won't. Truth is, we won't. There's more relevant things to consider, like our job, like our children, like our email, like the real world. The truth is, we've forgotten everything by the time we get to our car and check all of our text messages. And so God's word is left lying on the sanctuary floor. I sometimes wonder how many scattered seeds have been left on this very floor only to be sucked up a few moments later after the last blessing and prayer in the vacuum cleaners. Is this your heart response to Jesus? Keeping his word at arm length, keeping it ever on the surface? Because it is, you're not really hearing Jesus. Okay? Second heart response is the shallow heart. The shallow heart. Verse 16 and 17. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who when they 
hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Which means they reject it. The, the shallow-hearted person enjoys hearing the word of Jesus at some point. At some point, they really enjoy hearing what Jesus has to say. He sounds great at first. His promises sound wonderful. His character is really attractive. Maybe they've had a dramatic religious experience like meeting uh, Jesus during a divorce or an arrest or a deep depression or at Bible camp. And so there's this joyful, intense, emotional response to Jesus at first. I love you, Jesus. You sound great. You look good too. But there's no desire to know Him outside that initial encounter, that initial experience with Him. There is no willingness to submit to the work of sanctification. What could top this joy that I feel? What could top that meeting Jesus? That's all I need. That's all I need. And so there is no desire to truly join a Christian community. Why would I need that? I found Jesus. There's no real desire to study His Word. Why would I need that? I, I had this encounter. I, I found Jesus. There's no desire to even really follow after Him. It's joy, but it's just joy over the benefits of Jesus, not Jesus Himself. Does this make sense? And if that's you, please hear me. You're not really hearing Jesus. Jesus says that underneath this very thin layer of soil sits a layer of rock, of limestone, that does not allow His Word to take root in our heart. And so the sun of difficulties rises. The sun of disappointments with the way things are going. The persecution maybe because of Jesus comes along and scorches the seed dead. Because there's no root. And when the benefits of listening to Jesus dry up for a while, well, so does this person's faith. Please listen. There will come a time when the cost of following Jesus will overshadow the benefits of following Jesus. And then all you will have is Jesus. Hearing Him once when you were a kid is not enough for you to endure that. Not to the end. Third heart is the divided heart. The divided heart. Look at the text here, verse 18 and 19. But others are the ones sown among thorns. They are ones who hear the word. But the, care of the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. The divided heart is not hospitable to the words of Jesus because it is overly hospitable to everything else. 
Let me say that again. The divided heart is not hospitable to the words of Jesus because it is overly hospitable to everything else. There's other things in there that are fighting for attention. There's other, other things in that person's heart that are fighting for love and is fighting for dominance and preeminence. This person's response to Jesus is favorable at first as well, but they put conditions on Jesus. They put a condition on welcoming Jesus and the things that he has to say into their life. And it sounds something like this. Jesus, you are welcome in my life. You are welcome in my home. You are welcome if you can find a place to set up house among all the other stuff I've got in here. Come on in, roomie. You can find a spot, you can have it. And this person hears Jesus, but, he, but they don't want to clear out the soil so that his word can grow deeply. So his, his words will not disrupt, disrupt their life in the slightest. And so what we have is we have equal loyalties and divided loyalties and all of our sources of both anxieties and joy. That's what Jesus brings out. Our families, our wealth, our career, our health, our sense of identity, all of those things. And Je Jesus is in the mix too. Jesus is in the mix too. He's one of many good things that we try to hold in balance because, you know, everything in moderation. But the truth is that these other loyalties choke out the unique words of Jesus. Isn't that an interesting metaphor? They strangle them out. And the word does not bear fruit in our life, not because there is something defective in the seed that was thrown out, but that there was something defective in our heart, in the soil. What do you call a plant that has a stalk like wheat and has a leaf like wheat, but it doesn't have the fruitful head of wheat? What do you call a plant like that? You call it a weed. Don't you? It's a weed. And here's something interesting. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew's recording of this parable, Matthew puts this parable, the parable about the wheat and the weeds, right after this story. This person does not have undivided loyalty to Jesus. He or she is serving two masters, or three, or four, or Five. That's what she or he is doing. Whatever they think they've heard from Jesus has been sufficiently choked out. And get this, it doesn't bother them. It doesn't bother them. They're okay with that. Jesus, I'll listen to you as long as it means that I don't have to change anything. I'll listen to you. Jesus, I will love you as long as I get to love all my hobbies too. Every single one of them. Don't ask me to give up anything for you. 
Jesus, I'll take your word seriously right after this project I'm working on because it's really, really important to us. Though they claim to have heard Jesus upon further examination, upon further examination, their heart is actually quite inhospitable to Jesus. You see, to be hospitable to everything is to be inhospitable to the words of Jesus. His words are unique. They're different. Their heart's inhospitable to Jesus, much the way that weeds suck up all the water and suck up all the nourishment before the seeds can get it. And whatever's left over, Jesus gets. Doesn't grow that way. Doesn't work that way. They don't really want to make room for his residency in their heart. And their life bears witness to this. If this is you, you are not hearing Jesus. The truth is that there's actually only one way of hearing Jesus that brings life in the kingdom. There is one way to hear Jesus that brings life in the kingdom. And it's in verse 20. You ready? You ready for the good news? But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. You hear the three verbs? They hear, they accept it, and they bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. That's a miraculous crop, by the way, by farming standards. There is something interesting in the grammar right here, and I want to point this out to us. In the three other, in the three other soils who, who hear the word of Jesus, the word for hear, it's in the aorist tense. It's an aorist tense of the verb. And so what that is, is that conveys a very simple, completed action. They heard. The word went out. They heard. They're done hearing. It happened. It was a one-time kind of an event of hearing, right? Simple and completed action. It's a casual, in one ear, out the other kind of hearing. It's been completed. But the word for hearing in this verse, in, in, in verse 20 Mark uses a different word here. It's been replaced with the perfect tense of this verb. The perfect tense conveys a past event that is ongoing in the present. Now that's really curious. So he's saying that these people heard the word of Jesus and they are continuing to hear the words of Jesus more and more and more. The more they hear Jesus, the closer they come to hear more from Jesus. Does that make sense? The more they hear, the more they want to hear. That's the kind of hearing in verse 20 that's happening. And that's what makes them an insider. That's what makes them good soil, to use the terms Jesus uses. doesn't matter what label they put on themselves. He's saying what the label is. Jesus says that their continual hearing is marked by accepting what they hear. So they continue here, and they wel- the word literally is like welcome. They, they wrap their arm around the seed. The soil wraps its arms around that seed and goes, whoa! <laughs> whoa, it sinks in, right? That's good soil. That's it on top. They welcome what they hear from Jesus. They smile when they hear it because they know who's talking to them, right? 
They take the teachings of Jesus of the kingdom right into their jobs with them, into their marriage, into how they neighbor. They put his words up against their idols and up against their sin. They put the words of Jesus up against how they were raised and the values that were instilled in them by their parents or their country or their family or their heritage. They put those words right up against all of that stuff. They welcome it into every nook and cranny of their life. Even though it's difficult to hear, and sometimes it is confusing, these hearts want to constantly hear more of whatever Jesus has to say about living life. And that's good soil. And see, the truth is this, brothers and sisters, you cannot understand any teaching of Jesus from the outside. Not really. You can't understand it from the crowd. Where was the crowd in this? Standing on the soil. And he's out in the boat. They're outside away from him, right? You can only truly understand the significance of his teaching by getting inside those teachings, getting inside his parables. The words of Jesus, the words of Jesus are kind of like a stained glass window. If you look from the outside at a stained glass window, what happens? The light actually conceals it, doesn't it? It's a dark image. You see kind of the outline where the where it's been put together. You see a dark image and nothing more. But if you place yourself on the inside and you look out, the light reveals all the colors and all the brilliant glory, and you see the whole picture, don't you? We've got to get inside the teachings of Jesus, not try to from a safe distance. I'm going to try to figure that out. It didn't work that way. You won't see it. It's only by getting inside the teachings of Jesus and letting his word expose our own heart, the darkness that's in our own heart, that you and I will understand how amazing he truly is. Timothy Keller explains it this way. He says, if we feel more righteous as we read the Bible, we're actually misreading the Bible. We're missing its central message. We are reading and using the Bible rightly only when it humbles us, critiques us, and encourages us with God's love and grace despite our flaws. You cannot understand on the outside. You can't stand on the outside and casually listen to Jesus and claim that you understand him. It won't work. But here's a promise of grace, and it's in verse 11. To anyone who responds by moving towards him and continually hearing him. To anyone. Doesn't matter age. Doesn't matter who you are. He says to anyone. To anyone that hears him over and over and over and wants to understand more, he will give you the secrets of the kingdom. he just give it away to you. You want more understanding? You want more clarity? You want to understand what he's saying and how to live it and do it? He said, I'll just give that secret to you, which isn't really a secret. No riddles you got to answer first. No great paradoxes you must first unravel. No mystical dreams you must like decipher. You want to know more about living in his kingdom? Just come closer and he'll just give it to you. He'll just make it make sense to you. 
Isn't Jesus good? Isn't he awesome? Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Mm, Jesus, we love you. We pray, oh God, that by your spirit, your word would do its work. That you would help us not only hear, but to welcome, to accept, and to bear fruit. Help us turn from our sins and turn to Jesus, to the one who forgives us, the one who saves us, the one who rescues us from ourselves and gives us life in his kingdom. Would you do that for us today? Help us feel your grace. Help us feel your great love. And see how wonderful and fascinating you really are. It's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen.